it's just so great to be able to worship together. And uh, I want you to remember, I appreciate Ryan singing those songs, leading us in those songs, because I want you to remember what, you, what it just felt like a few minutes ago when we're singing praise to God, because I'm going to refer to that in a sermon in just a minute, you know, just a few minutes. But I want you to think about that. We come to the end of the year, and this is January 8th, and so we're looking at a brand new year, and most of us um, feel the need to stop and say, eh, let me look back at last year and see how I did. Let me take some accounting. Let me just see where things stand. In fact, it's that way in the business world. Um, we have an IRA that, actually this church started for us years ago. It's being handled by a guy in Hot Springs, that Todd Sadowski, good guy. So he sent out a letter not long ago saying, things did not do well in 2022. I am so sorry. It's a funny, isn't it? At the end of the year, you look back and say, you know, we invested. We invested in, in these things. And sometimes there are dividends that are fantastic. And sometimes they're not. Now, sometimes I think, man, you did so. I'm going to take that money and invest in myself. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I trust him because he's, that's his field. He knows all those things, you know. In fact, it's we come this time of year and we make resolutions. We, we look back at our life and say, gee, this didn't work out so well. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to try something different. I'm going to begin brand new. And it's a good thing to do that. And I want you to think with me today about where you're finding your place in your Bible in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I want you to think with me about what does God think when he looks at you? He has made a tremendous investment in you and in me. What can, what's a return on that? Where's the dividend? Where are the dividends from your life that God has placed in you, has given to you, has invested? In fact, he has invested his son to save you, his Holy Spirit to indwell you, his word to guide you, and he's invested in you a spiritual gift that you are to use for yourself and those around you. He has made a trem tremendous investment. So what can God expect from us? Ephesians chapter 2 is one of those very beautiful places that most of us know, verses 8 and 9 and 10, but we don't really understand maybe the verses running up to that. And one thing I love about um, um, being kind of OCD, you know, kind of obsessive compulsive disorder, and I call it OCB, obsessive compulsive blessing. It's a blessing. One of the things OCD people do is they kind of look, they want to see balance and how things work together. And when we read Ephesians 2, there is, there is a beautiful just a flow and you're going to see it in just a minute. But there, there's a flow that is so powerful. And what we do is we, we see the flow, and then we stop and say, hey, there's little components in this flow that make it mean more. Ephesians chapter 2, the way I look at it, there are three uh, components in that flow. Verses 1 through 3 is one of them. Verses 4 through 7 is another. Verses 8 through 10 is the third. And so there's a beautiful flow. So if you have your Bible, if you're using a digital device um, and you want to read along with me, I'm using NASB 1995 version of New American Standard Bible. So if you want to look at that, you can. If you want to just 
read your own version and try to figure out where we are, <laughs> that's okay too. Ephesians 2, look at this, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that, not a little f spirit, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Then we see a little shift, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For... Verse 8, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, when you think about God's investment in you and about what he's getting back in return. The first thing we want to see in verses 1 through 3 are the reasons for God's investment. Why does He need to save us? He begins the first three verses and He really gives us three good reasons He needs to save us. Why does He need to make an investment in me? I'm doing pretty good. Why does He need to invest in me? Well, here's why. First, we were dead in sins. We need to have His investment in us. He needs to save us because we were dead in sins. We were living corpses condemned by our sinful nature. Every one of us have a nature that is apart from God. We inherited it from our, our father uh, Adam. In fact, uh, in theology, this is called the Adamic sin nature. Adamic meaning Adam. When they said, when God says, thou shalt not, and they said, and the devil said, surely it'll be okay. And they disobeyed God. From that time to this, we are born with an Adamic sin nature. We were dead in sins, alive physically, dead spiritually, separated from God. Warren Wiersbe is one of the, one of the great commentators was. He passed away a few years ago, but, but he, he calls this, this section, here's what he said, get out of the graveyard. That's what he's telling us. That's what Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is telling you and me. Get out of the graveyard. You're not dead anymore. You're alive in Christ. Don't hang around in the graveyard. You don't belong there. All lost sinners are dead. And the only difference is the, the level of decay. Uh, there are some people that are dead in their sins. And man, they're eaten up by their sins. Other people are dead in their sins. But they live a pretty good life. But they're still, if they've never been born again, they are dead in their sins. That's what he's saying here. We were dead in sin. Secondly, we were controlled by the world. Walking in Satan's ways. And I love the word formerly. In fact, you'll see it there in verse 2. In which you formerly walked according.
according to the course of this world. Who is he writing to? He's writing to a church at Ephesus. He's writing to a, a, a group of people that are saved by the grace of God. They've been baptized. They've united together. They're serving God in Ephesus. And he's writing to them. He said, formerly, hey, listen, formerly you lived this way. You were out there. You were living by the power in this world according to the course of this world, not the world to come. Now, hopefully, you're living according to the world that to come. You're looking ahead to Jesus and heaven and, and going to try to do what's right in his sight. But he said, formerly, past tense, you lived according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The prince of the power of the air is not God. It's Satan. In fact, Jesus, and when he was talking about this in John, in the Gospel of John, he, he calls Satan the ruler of this world three times. Satan is a ruler in this world. You don't believe me? Look at the news. Watch the news. Go out and look around. Yeah, Satan is the one who is ruling in this place. In fact, Paul said, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, in whom the God of this world, little g God, the God of this world is blinding the minds of those who do not know Christ, lest they should repent, lest they should believe, and lest they should be saved. There is a power in this world that for believers, we know he's there, and we know sometimes we go back into that world system. But he said, listen, this should be a past tense. Formerly, you were that way. This is the spirit that now works. Look at this. In, in those who are disobedient, who are following their nature and not God's nature. The third thing that reason we need to be saved is that we were dead in sins. We were controlled by the world. And we were living in rebellion against God. Basically in rebellion against God. He said that in verse 3. Among whom we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. And I mentioned that Paul included himself when he said we. He's including himself. Man, it includes me. It includes you. It, includes, I mean, it included the apostle Paul. We all lived this way in the past, he said. We weren't all the same depth of sinners, but we all are sinners. Everyone. Now, what he's saying is, is that the reason God makes an investment in us is because we were dead in sin. We were controlled by the world. We were living in rebellion against God. Look at the second thing. What are the requirements for God's investment in us? What, what, does he, what has he done for us in order to change the way we were, dead and according to the course of the world? What has he done? There are four things that he mentions in verses 4 through 7. And, I, and I, again, being kind of a funny, uh, different way of looking at things, I like to underline my Bible. You looking at your Bible, look at this. Look at verse 4. See the last words? He loved us. Look in verse 5. He made us alive together with Christ. Numbers, verse 6. He raised us. He seated us. And in verse 7, in the ages to come, he will show us his kindness toward us. And so you, you come back, us. He's talking about, he's talking about us. And he said, listen, here's the thing. What God had to do in order to save us because of our deplorable condition in the first three verses, he had to do something. And what he did was first, verse 4, he loved us. He loved us. It begins with love, doesn't it? In verse 4 it says, but God, 
being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. His love is the ground, the foundation of his saving grace, his love. It was the sacrifice of Christ. It was our faith in him. It was his grace. But the ground of his saving us is his love for us. God could not create us and make us and then see us squirming in our sin lost because he loved us and he wants and he loved for his creation to honor him and glorify him and come to him. And he loved us and that's just the verse that we often quote and we love to quote and think about is a verse that begins like this. You, you tell me where we are. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Isn't that great, John 3.16? We love it. We have memorized it. And it begins right here. He loved us. He so loved us. I love the word so right there. He didn't just love us. Man, he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. That's the, the character of his love, the depth of his love, the commitment of his love. He loved us. Then secondly, he saved us. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Though we are dead spiritually, he makes us alive spiritually. He gives us life through his only son. In fact, we were spiritually dead. God has made us alive. And how does he do that? He makes us alive with Christ. With Christ. It is through his son that he brings new life. That he changes us and he saves us. In fact, one of my favorite verses in the Bible and. And I love the NASB, but, but like our pastor, Brother Rob, sometimes when you try to quote something from the NASB, you end up, if you learned it in KJV, you kind of quote it KJV. And, and I love John 5, 24. Listen to these words. You don't have to look it up. Jesus said, He that heareth my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The reason I love that verse is because he's talking about how he loved us and how he saved us. In fact, Jesus said, if you believe in him that sent me, you have present possession, everlasting life. The moment you trust him, the moment you call on his name, the moment you believe in him, the moment you repent of your sins and say, God, I'm a mess, and unless you do something, God, I love you, and I thank you for sending your son to die for me, and I trust him. The moment you do that, he saves you. He said, he that believes in him, he said, because of that, he gives us eternal life. He hath, he said, when you believe in him that sent me, you have eternal life. And then Jesus said, and shall not come into condemnation. Here we're talking about, on one hand, you're talking about the present. You have eternal life when you believe in him. Then you're talking about the future shall not come into condemnation. I'm here to tell you that one of the most beautiful things about these words is that when I do fail and when I do sin and when I, when I embarrass God by denying and not doing what I know I should do as a Christian, I don't have to worry about him disowning me. And I don't have to worry about someday, I used to think this when I was a child, I'd hear people preaching and about judgment and I would think, 
oh man, oh man, I'm going to stand before God one day and he's going to look at me and he's say, you remember July 4th when you did this? <laughs> and, and it's going to be like a screen's here and all of a sudden everybody's going to see what I did. And man, I used to just drive me crazy. And that's why I love John 5, 24. He said, he, if you believe that him that sent me, you have eternal life and you will not be condemned. The beautiful thing about God's salvation is, is that though we are still sinners, He will not condemn us. He will not judge us guilty. We will not come before the gigantic screen in heaven and have everybody see our sin. You know why? Jesus died for that sin. Right? And that means it's forgiven. It's blotted out. It's removed. It's cast into the sea. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Man, that is powerful. So Jesus said, he that believes in him will save me, hath everlasting life. He shall not come into condemnation, but here's the most beautiful part too, but is passed from death unto life. That means that's kind of past, present, and future. You believe you have eternal life, you will not come into condemnation because you have already been passed from dying into living from eternal death to eternal life. You have already passed. It's already, you're there. You say, oh man, I don't feel like I'm there sometimes. And we don't because we're still in, the, in a sinful flesh. But, but the beauty is that in Christ, in Christ, we are forgiven. And that's what, that's what he does for us. Another thing he does for us, the third thing, he loved us, he saved us, he raised us. I love this in verse 6. Paul is just going through this and saying, listen, this is, what, this is what Jesus did for me. He loved me. He saved me. He raised me up. He's talking about resurrection, but not physical. He's talking about spiritual. That when Christ saves you, you become, go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. He raises you up. I was thinking the other day, I, I took a class in sign language when I was in seminary a long time ago, and, and I only really remember three words. One of them is Baptist. <laughs> that's Baptist. The, another one is Jesus. And that's so precious, isn't it? Jesus. But the third word I remember is the word for resurrection. And the next time I preach a funeral, I think I'm going to use this if I can remember. You know the word for resurrection in sign language? You see that? Standing up in the grave, resurrected. That's the word and sign for resurrection. And that's what God does for us spiritually when we come to faith in Christ. Later, when we pass from this life, he will do that for us physically. We will be raised up. But I want you to see more in verse number, verse number 5. He said, we've been made alive together with Christ. By grace you're saved. In verse 6, he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You say, wait a minute, did I miss something? I haven't been to heaven. I haven't been seated in the heavenly places. Well, I think you have. A few minutes ago. <laughs> a few minutes ago, right here, wasn't that an amazingly spiritual experience to stand and sing these beautiful songs about getting out of that grave and this forgiveness we have in Christ and, and here we all are singing this together in worship and I think Clementology you know I think that that is being seated in heavenly places 
It's heavenly places. The night Jesus saved me, I was just an 11-year-old boy, but I was sitting in heavenly places, I want you to know. He made a difference in my life. I, I, Brother Jeff is right here. I appreciate Brother Jeff telling me about when God saved him and his wife. Man, you're going to have to do that sometime for all of us. What a difference. All of a sudden, there was this gigantic growth and blessing, and man, it was so real. Setting in heavenly places. Man, that's where you were. That's where I was. That's where you have been. When you receive Jesus and you trust him, man, it's just like you're walking on air. I couldn't wait till I got home from church that night. My dad didn't go, and I ran through the house to, to find him and uh, tell him, God saved me. I've been saved. This is, to me, that's setting in heavenly places. But that's not the end. There's one other one. Look at this. He does this for us. He loved us, saved us, raised us so that he can show us in the future. Look at verse 7. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For all eternity, we're going to be seeing the evidence. And what does he say? the surpassing riches of his grace. We think we enjoy his grace now, and we think it's wonderful now, and it is, because it gives us the hope of heaven. But there's coming a time in the future, he says, that's what he says in verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he can show you more. More of what? More of me? No. More? No. More of his amazing grace. We're going to be rejoicing in that for all eternity. So that brings us to the point of the sermon. Number three, if you, <laughs> you say, oh no. Yeah, it's a three-point sermon. So look with me in uh, verses eight through 10. There are reasons that God invested in you and you were in pitiful condition. You were lost without hope, without God, without heaven, without anything. That's where you were. I mean, that's where you were. And that's what he tells in verse one through three. Then he says, Here's what I have done for you in verses 4 through 7. He loved us. He saved us. He raised us. He's going to show us more. And then we come to number three, and that is, what does he expect? He's made an investment in us, and it's a costly investment. So what does he, what does he expect from us? Look at verse 8, 9, and 10. In verses 8 and 9, he just tells us kind of what he's already told us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So it reminds us, listen, you were saved, it wasn't because you were good, it wasn't because you acted right, it was a gift. God saw your lost condition, that you were, in, you were condemned in your sin, you were dead in sin. And he gave you life. In fact, it says in verse 8 that it is a gift of God. He gives them eternal life and they shall never perish. Then verse 9, he said, not as a result of works so that one may boast. Certainly, it's not, we're not saved by works um, because we could never work enough to be saved. Jesus lived a perfect life to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be saved and go to heaven forever. And he gives us. It is a gift from him. And he said it's not of works because people would brag about it. That's the first thing. Don't you hate to be around people that's always talking about, yeah, 
man, I got it. Yeah, this is my new house. This is my new car. This is my new, my new wife. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I don't know. Whatever they go. Anyway, don't you hate to be around people that know it all and they always got more than you do and everything? Can you imagine what heaven would be like if you deserve to go there? I'll tell you what, it would be more like the other place, right? Yeah, having to listen to people talk about how they, what they did for God and how they served. Nah, we're not saved by our works, he says, because we would brag about it. But that, verse 10, I want you to notice, there are three things he expects of us. And here's what I'm talking about. God has invested so much in you, and here's what he expects you to be. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Here's what God expects you to be. He wants you to be a showcase of his grace. A showcase of his grace. That's what verse 10 means. We are his workmanship. The word workmanship is a beautiful word. It means a thing of his making, his handicap, uh, his handiwork. It's like a work of art, a masterpiece. Have you ever seen beautiful sculpting, beautiful artwork, maybe beautiful woodwork? And I, I, my wife and I have seen some things, and sometimes we stop and say, look at the workmanship. Look at the craftsmanship it took to put that together. You, you are his craftsmanship. You are his workmanship. He's fashioning you and saves you and is cleansing you and changing you so that you would be a beautiful display of his changing power and his grace. And that's what it means to be his workmanship, a showcase of his grace. That's why Paul said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. 2 Corinthians 5.17, all things have become new. You are to be, and I am to be, a showcase of his grace. People around us are supposed to look at us and say, man, you're different than you used to be. What happened to you? Jesus happened to me. That's what happened to me. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to let more and more Christ have an impact on me so that my life is different so that I can be his masterpiece. And you can be his masterpiece. He wants you to be a showcase of grace. Secondly, in verse 10, he wants you also to be a reflection of his son. It says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We didn't create ourselves. He made us in Christ and he did it for good works. We are to be a reflection of Jesus, a reflection of his son. As we go through our lives and we live them here, we cannot be perfect. Uh, we cannot be sinless. Somebody said we can't be sinless, but we can sin less. I can do that. Can you? Yeah. When I look at last year, look at this year, say, Lord, I'm going to make some resolutions. I'm not going to do that. And with your help, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to do this and that. You know, we make our resol resolutions of what we want to do. I want to walk 1,000 miles this year in my walking time. And I didn't quite make it last year. That was my goal last year, and it fell short, 150 miles or more. And so I just got a little short. So this year I got a new resolution. I'm going to do it. And I don't know if I'll reach it or not, but I want to do that. And that has nothing to do with Christ. But what I'm saying is 
when we come to that place, we want to be a reflection of his son. And then thirdly, we want to be a demonstration of his life. This verse ends by saying this. You are created in Christ Jesus. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're not created by good works for goodness sake. You're created not by them, but for them. In fact, I know it's true that we were saved without works of any kind for works of every kind. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. And that's what he's saying here. Be a demonstration of his life, which God hath before ordained or prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. God has planned it. God's plan for your life and my life is that you walk in good works, that you be involved in doing good things in the name of Jesus for Christ's sake. Do good things, that you walk in them. So that somebody says, why do you do that? Our son Darren is involved in giving away furniture in UTD and Dallas. And I love to hear him talk about how that does it because they have... Muslims and, and many people from all over the world that don't know Christ, don't know God, and they, and they give them furniture. And some of you, some of us have been over there to deliver that furniture and stuff to their apartments. These people don't have anything. And, and they say, thank you. Why are you doing this? Why would you give me good furniture? And these people bring it and put it in my, why would you do that? And then Darren gets to talk with them about why we do that. Why do you do that? It's just a good work that can reflect Jesus. I'm not reflecting, it's not me, it's God's people, God's grace. This is what God wants from us. This is what God expects from us. This is the dividend to be his workmanship created in Christ Jesus and to do good works. So what do you plan to do this year? You got some goals? What can God expect as a dividend from his investment, his enormous investment in your life? Man, I feel a debtor. In fact, Paul said that. In Romans 1, he said, I'm a debtor. I owe the gospel to people around me. He felt indebted. He owed it to them because God saved him and changed him. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to turn this over to Brother Rob. Man, it's a joy to be uh, before you today. It's good to come into a new year. I'm kind of one of those people that said, I have trouble writing 2023, and who would ever thought we'd be in 2023? I didn't. But we are here, and God is here, and God is saving, and God is changing, and God is expecting us as his people to stand up for him, to reflect his grace and glory, to be that kind of display of grace for other people. God, we love you so much, and we thank you for the few minutes you've given today. And we ask your blessing, Lord, as we sing this song. Lord, I pray that, um, that it will just touch our hearts, that we will commit ourselves brand new. Lord, we, we know that you've saved us, and we have heaven for sure, but here we live and breathe your air, the life you've given us for a purpose. God, I pray that you would help us individually and as a church 
to reach that purpose in our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
standing in heavenly places. Amen. We're standing in heavenly places. <clears throat> I'm going to turn this over to Ron in just a second, but I'm, I just I need to I need to tell you something. Listen, we as much as, I started to say more, but as much as anything we believe, we believe in the power of prayer. Amen. We believe in the power of prayer. We we could not be in this place standing in heavenly places if it were not for the power of prayer. All of us who have come to Christ came to Christ through the power of prayer, right? That's the only way we get there is through prayer. Listen, we, we want to start our year together in prayer. And we've put together a 14-day prayer time and the hard copy is back there in the, in the entryway. You can pick one up on the way out. If, if you get, if everybody, if all the families pick one up and they're gone, you just let me know and we'll get you another one. But for, four, for the next 14 days, all of us can be focused in the same direction, praying on the same thing. And, and Christ said, if two or three of you agree in prayer, well, what's going to happen if 300 of us agree in prayer? Amen? 300 people, 400 people, 500 people agree in prayer on one thing. What could happen? Well, the place could be shaken. <laughs> the place could be shaken. So I just want to encourage you, pick up one of those things for your family. Let's pray together and start our year anchored in prayer and follow what Larry's already laid out. He's got good works for us to do. And, and we need to follow his guidance. And the only way we're going to get it is we're going to have to study his, his word and we're going to have to pray. And so I, I just encourage you to pick one up. And let me just give you a number. And I, I asked Laura if it was okay. And she said, okay. So if you're not on the prayer team, if you're not part of our prayer ministry, which amounts to a, a text that'll come to your phone every time... That, that somebody lays a request on it. If somebody goes to the hospital or somebody dies or some family loses a, a house or whatever, it'll come to you. Now, God forbid that you should think, man, I just don't know if I can take that much sorrow. <laughs> what? That's our job. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's our obligation to carry one another's burdens. Hey, you need to get on the prayer team. I'm just, there it is. That's all the guilt I'll ever lay on you. And I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just telling you the truth. You need to be on the prayer team. You need to be holding each other up. So here's Laura's phone number. You want to get on the prayer team. All you got to do is text Laura and say, Laura, I'm, I want in. Tell me how. It's 870-723-2151. 870-723-2151. If you didn't catch that, you can holler at me later. I love you a bunch. I'm so grateful that God's got us together. Thankful for Brother Larry and the prayer team of uh, the praise team this morning. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate y'all. I love you a bunch. You guys can be seated. We'll ask our ushers to come forward, receive our tithes and our offerings.
Again, if this is your first time uh, with us, thank you for being here in, in worship this morning. Um, if you are uh, a guest, a regular attender, uh, first time, and, and even a member, it really is our desire uh, to help you kind of take that next step towards wherever Christ uh, is leading you. And so if we can help you, if we can serve you in any way, if we can answer any questions, if you want to join the church, if you want to be baptized, uh, those are all things we would love to answer questions about and love to visit with you uh, about. Uh, a couple announcements we want to pass along to you as uh, just before we collect our offering. Uh, you'll see the big display. If you go out this middle, uh, these middle doors here, um, uh, the youth are doing a fundraiser for uh, summer mission trips, camps, uh, conferences. Uh, you just grab an envelope, pick the, we start with the higher numbers first. No, that's, that's the tricky way to say it. Anyway, whatever number you grab, that's the amount uh, that you're willing to give. You put that in the envelope and you can return that to uh, Aaron and, and the crew. But that's uh, there in the back. Speaking of mission trips, we've got a lineup of mission trips uh, for 2023. Uh, in the U.S., Brother Larry mentioned uh, UT Dallas. That's one of the places that we're going. Uh, we are going uh, with City Reach to Orlando and then another, uh, some X camps in Anaheim. And then we've got two international trips that we're going to be talking about. And hopefully you'll know a little bit more about in the next couple of weeks. Uh, one to Belize and one to the Philippines. And so we're excited about our 2023 trips. And so um, if you're interested in going, uh, you can come see me or visit with any of our, our pastors. If you're interested in sending somebody, you can visit with me or any one of our, our pastors. Uh, we would love to uh, vi visit with you about that. One date, and it, all of these announcements are in the bulletin, but one date we want to pass along to you is January uh, the 22nd at 5 o'clock. We're going to do an e deacon ordination service, and so we want you to mark that on your calendar. We'll talk about that in the next couple weeks. Tomorrow night is our first full night of Faith First games, and so you know, we're, we're excited about it. Uh, Kelsey is excited about it, the only one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, be in prayer for that. We, we do want you to pray for our coaches. Uh, every location at halftime, there's going to be a, a devotional, uh, an opportunity to share the gospel, and so over the next eight weeks, uh, we get to share the gospel and stack chairs. Speaking of stacking chairs, we are going to stack some chairs as soon as we are dismissed. And we're going to change this up a little bit. We're going to stack them in stacks of 10. Everybody say 10. All right, so we're going to stack those in stacks of 10. Um, and we're going to set aside just a few stacks. Ben's going to help us with that. But the rest of them are going to go out those doors. And we're going to try to stack them in a couple of, of those uh, rooms, Sunday school rooms there in the back. Rooms, that was such a hard word. Um, now, we don't want anyone to have their own funeral this week, but Brother Larry let us know if he preaches your funeral, what he's going to preach. I mean, that's a little bit of a gift, right? How often do you get to the preview? Anyway, I'm sorry. Those are the things I think of in the middle of sermons. Let's pray, and uh, we'll collect the offering. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to be together and to worship uh, in spirit and in truth and in your presence. And Father, we pray that you are honored by our worship here, that you're honored by our giving, Lord, that you're honored by our lives as we leave this place and respond to your word and we commit uh, to prayer the, the things that you've laid on our hearts and, and the things that you are doing in and through us. And so, Father, we do commit it all to you. We remember those that are on our prayer list, Lord, those that need 
your grace and your strength and your healing, Lord. We know that you know all of these things um, before we even ask of you. And so we rest in the fact that you are at work, that you are, are moving in and amongst us, that you're moving in your world, uh, Lord, for your glory and for our good. And so, Father, we pray all of these things in your name. Thank you guys, you're dismissed.